10 ways to immediately make your business more productive. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. You know, with a million listens and downloads and growing every week, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, great to be with you. Uh, Dale, it's uh, great to be with you. I I have to tell you, though, since you started teaching at the college level, you're becoming ever more professorial. I like like these professor glasses. Yeah, we were talking before, and they're not prescription, but they are blue blockers. So they block most of the blue light that is now all around us when you think about mobile devices, computer screens, and everything else. And I've noticed it's definitely helped reduce eye strain. So... Well, if I ever greet you here uh, to do one of these episodes and you've got a cardigan on and you're holding a pipe with those glasses, then you will become the quintessential of Professor Dixon. No pipe, no cardigan, maybe a cigar someday. Okay, me too. too. (laughs) And a scotch. Okay, here we go. So um, you have, once again, you've been traveling and we're going to take a little bit of a trip in the time machine going back in time based on a question you received. Tell us the story. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 we got a booking for a speech. And uh, so I get on the telephone to do my discovery conversation with the man who owns the event. He's like number two in the company. And uh, he said, let me tell you, he said, I want, I want your speech based on your book, Less is More. And I went, whoa, Less is More. I wrote Less is More 16 years ago. Uh, or Less is More came out 16 years ago, which means that 18 years ago, I was working on the book Less is More. But one of the things I've noticed over the years is it is it is a bit of a cult classic. Uh, I remember being at the Boeing factory uh, to do an event, and uh, all of these people had dog-eared copies of Less is More. So I found myself at a number of events over the years, and they, they have these dog-eared copies. And I mean, highlight markers and pages are almost falling out, and they're asking me to sign this book. I mean, so I, so I, I know the book really has legs. And, and the premise was, when the book was written, it was to identify the 10 most productive companies in the United States, get deep inside, and try to figure out what the secrets to their productivity are. And so I, I told this man, I said, well, I understand that you want a speech based on this book that I did six, that came out 16 years ago. I said, but I've learned an awful lot in the research for you know six or seven other books after that. And I said, generally, I talk about the sum total of everything I need, or everything I've learned. And he said, well, that's, that's fine. You can work some of that stuff in. But I re-, he said, the summary at the end of Less is More is the best thing I've ever read in my life. And I said, okay. So we finished the conversation. I go and grab a copy of Less is More because I don't remember a summary at the end of the book. And uh, I find it. And I go, gee whiz, I really don't remember writing these words. I mean, it's good stuff, but uh, it was so long ago, I don't even remember. So I did the event. It was hugely successful. uh, And they bought books for everybody. And it feels very, very strange signing a book that came out 16 years ago. And uh, so I thought, you know, the event went so well. The information was so well received um, that I thought it should be the basis of a podcast. Now, the question is, 
Why does everybody have to, why should everybody be striving for more productivity? Well, there's really only several ways to uh, improve the fortunes of your business. You can improve your revenues, you can improve your profits, you can improve your productivity, but even better if you can do all three of those simultaneously. And I know from talking to people, hundreds of people a year, getting ready for other speeches and and book research, that everybody around the world is being asked to do uh, more with less. And so that's the substance for uh, today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go rapid fire uh, because I don't want to bore people to death. We don't want to go on forever. Uh, And they can actually probably find podcasts on some of the that we've done in the past and some of these individual things. But can I just jump right in and begin covering the 10 things? Please do. I'd say get a pen and paper out and, and tag this podcast to listen to again in the future. Okay, number one, uh, you and I talk a lot about purpose uh, and the importance of purpose. Uh, At the time, I wasn't using the word purpose so much because that came from other books as I was, have a simple proposition and don't let anybody muck it up. In other words, what are you trying to be? Uh, are, are, are you trying to be the best steakhouse in Boise, Idaho? Uh, are you trying to be uh, the best automobile dealership in Wichita? Uh, what, what are you trying to be? And keep it very, very simple. And then don't let anyone muck it up. A couple of weeks ago, one of my heroes and someone I knew passed away at the age of 90, Ingvar Kamprad, uh, who founded the world's only global furniture brand, Ikea, and passed away, reputedly worth somewhere like 50 to $60 billion. And I remember one of the things I asked him, I said, have you ever considered uh, stocking more expensive furniture like line extensions or, or brand extensions? And I mean, he looked at me and uh, the answer is no. He said, we are a store that caters to the many. We, we exist to improve the lives of the many. Uh, we would never go after that because that would just complicate our business. So have a very simple proposition or purpose. Stick to your knitting and don't let anyone muck it up. That's number one. Number two. Uh, invest 50% of your time in building your culture. And uh, let me tell you about a test that I have urged lots of companies to do. Lots of companies have done it. I've performed it at many companies. Uh, It's very, very simple to do. Uh, Take 10 white note cards and uh, blank ones and give them to 10 people at random throughout your company or your organization and say, I would like you to write down and describe our culture in one sentence. Don't sign your name to it. I don't want to know who they came from. And just do it right now and give it back to me. I'll tell you what, if you ever get 10 postcards back and all 10 people list the culture as being the same thing, you have a culture. My promise to you is this. My promise to you is this, that when you get those 10 cards back, they're probably going to say six, seven, or eight different things. Ergo, you really do not have one unified culture where everybody is marching in the same direction toward the same goal or objective. So invest your time building a culture. Culture at the end of the day is your only asset. Your competitors can steal your ideas and steal your people and copy your marketing. And someday, whatever you do, sell, produce, somebody else is going to do it better, faster, cheaper than you are. But the one thing that nobody can take is your culture. So understand that the most important thing of any value that you have is your culture. Number three, this is going to sound pretty ruthless, and it is pretty ruthless. Um, People have to buy in to what you're trying to do. They have to buy into your purpose. They have to buy into your simple proposition. They have to be seen as fully supporting it 
or they have to go. Now, if you think I'm saying you just wholesale go through and fire people, uh, I am not that heartless, but you need to have the call or the conversation with Johnny and, uh, and say, Johnny, look, you just seem a little out of step with what we're trying to do here, and uh, you don't really seem on board our, our, our purpose or our proposition, and you might get a response, well, you know, that's not, not my thing, and I'm just here, and I got a job. Well, you know, Johnny's got to go. Now, you don't have to fire Johnny, but you say, Johnny, I think the reason you're not behind our purpose or behind our simple proposition is it's just not the right one for you. So why don't we do this? Let's find something that is right for you someplace else. I mean, stay here and work here and do your best until we can find you something else. But I want you to be fulfilled. And obviously, you're not being fulfilled here. One of the, I guess I say it so many times, that almost becomes a throwaway line, is more companies are, are damaged uh, or go out of business because of internal subversion than they ever have been because of external aggression by a competitor. So you've got to make sure that everybody is on, can't, that doesn't say that you can't have differences of opinion, you can't fight some things out, but if they're not bonded to the very reason for your existence and what you're trying to be, you can't have those people in your organization. Number four, I will never forget the time, the day that I learned this question. And I can't begin to tell you how much money and probably embarrassment it saved me. And we did a podcast on it once, probably 150 podcasts ago. But the letters to never forget are WTGBRFDT. And they stand for what's the good business reason for doing this. And let me tell you a little story I've never told you before. So probably eight, nine, or 10 years ago, a television station, the ABC affiliate uh, in my hometown was up for sale. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a look at this. And so I, I flew back, uh, investigated the books, investigated what the possibilities were for, uh, for increasing the reach and the revenues and the profitability of this television station. It was still a very expensive proposition. And I was all set to buy this television station. And uh, I got in a rental car and I drove out to the shores of Lake Superior and I sat there and I just started thinking about the proposition. I asked myself the question, why am I going back to my hometown to buy the ABC television uh, affiliate? What, what, why am I really doing this? And, you know, I've told you many times, Dale, if you look yourself in the mirror, you can't really lie to yourself unless you're a sociopath or psychopath. And all of a sudden, I knew why I was going to buy that television station. It was ego. It was going to be about the kid who grew up, became successful, and marched triumphantly back into town and bought a television station. And in that instant, I knew it would have been a stupid, stupid, stupid idea. All because I asked myself the question, what's the good business reason for doing this? You have to ask this about every decision you make. Number five, from the original copy of Less is More, uh, 16 years ago, get rid of class distinctions. They make people envious, jealous, and they just piss them off. And so get rid of the walls with your golf trophies and the pictures of you with pseudo-celebrities. Get rid of the big office. I mean, get rid of the $7,000 Brioni suits. Be comfortable in your own skin. Have an egalitarian uh, environment within your organization. And uh, the more and more over the years, I've, I've studied incredibly successful organizations. That's exactly what I've found. Um, egalitarian environments 
no private offices. Everybody is just working together alongside one another without any class distinction. So I really think that was a good one to have landed on 16 years ago. Uh, Number six, don't use layoffs or headcount reductions to cover up management's bad decisions and mistakes. And so therefore, what it says, it says that before you hire someone, you really have, you need to know that you need this position in the immediate, you need this position in the long term. Companies that routinely have layoffs or headcount reductions are saying that the managers were piss poor planners who got the company into trouble. I mean, by hiring too many people in the wrong areas, they should be the ones going. I mean, not the people. And it also scares the bejesus out of everybody else that works there. And all of a sudden, everybody will start looking out for their own interests as opposed to the interest of the company. Number seven, teach everyone the connection between what they do and the financial success of the firm. I remember when uh, Charles Koch at Koch Industries told me, and they've got 100,000 people, he said, you know, everybody that works here uh, understands how what they do creates economic value. And I said, you know, that's just too much for me to believe. I, I just don't believe that you can do that. And he said, okay, let's use a number. 97, 98, 99% of the people here understand the connection between what they do and the economic value they create for the firm. And I said, well, how can you do that for every job? And his answer was beautiful. He said, if you cannot figure out the economic value that somebody creates, it's a job you don't need within the company. So uh, if you want to email me about this one, I mean, for, uh, for some advice and guidance along the way, I, at the end of the uh, podcast, you'll give everybody my email address. And by the way, I've been getting a lot of mail recently, and I'm going to get caught up this week. Uh, number eight, put everyone on a team and compensate based on team performance. It really uh, drives out the deadbeats. And of course, the one that comes to mind here is Nucor Steel, who I first wrote about, I, I guess, 18 years ago in my very first book, It's Not the Big Good Eat the Small, It's the Fast to Eat the Slow, uh, when Dan D'Amico was the CEO. And he explained how uh, they don't, and they, they've got 25,000 steelmakers uh, who work in their factories uh, around the United States. And he was telling me at the time that they did not have this huge HR department uh, sitting in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, look, everybody's on a team here. He said, every one of our steelmakers, everybody in the factory is on a team of about seven people. And he said, let me tell you what happens. He said, if we bring in somebody new and they're not cutting it on the team, the team knows that their bonuses and their financial incentives are going to disappear because this person is bringing down the team. He said, we don't need anybody from HR to begin a series of formal warnings and finally letting them go. He said, the team members just basically say, hey, bud, you're not pulling your own weight. I mean, so get ship shape and contribute, or this is not the place for you. So put everyone on a team and base and compensate based on team-based performance. It, uh, it gets rid of the deadbeats. Number nine, I could write a whole book about this one. But, and for those who just remember where these came from, the book Less is More that I wrote 18 years ago that came out 16 years ago. I love this. Systematize everything. And the way you systematize everything, and I think we've done a podcast on this, if I'm not mistaken, Dale, is you take whatever the action is, you talk to the people who actually perform it, because they're the ones who are the experts, and you map out how it's going to be done in the future without deviation. Because the more things you systemize in an organization, one, the more flawless your execution is going to become, 
And the more it's going to free you up for creativity, I mean, to grow the business or do those other things that are so much more fun within an organization. And finally, number 10, be competitive, score everything, make the scores transparent. Uh, It keeps things honest. It keeps things fun. And it keeps everybody trying to do their best. So those are the 10 things from the back of the book in Less is More from a book 16 years ago that people still want speeches about today. That is fantastic. So can I go through the list really quick for folks who are taking notes and yes. want to double check that they've got the list correct? Yes, yes. So we start off with a simple proposition or purpose for your business and don't muck it up. Keep it simple and to the point. Invest your time in building a culture. And I would say walk out of your office. If there's just one thing you do today out of this podcast, take 10 blank postcards drop them off randomly throughout your your office and ask people to write in one sentence the culture of your organization. If everything is the same, then you've got it. If not, then you know you've got work to do in building culture. Uh, make sure that everyone is bought into your purpose, number three, or they're gone. Ask this most important question, what's the good business reason for doing this? WTGBRFD. What's the good business reason for doing this? Get rid of class distinctions, uh, the named parking spot for the executive team at the front of the building goes. Uh, Don't use layoffs and headcount reductions to cover up management's bad decisions and mistakes. Number seven, teach everyone the connection between what they do and the financial success of the building uh, business. Number eight, put everyone on a team and compensate based on team performance so that the team members hold one another accountable. And then number nine, systematize everything, map it out, ask people to work on reducing waste and then implement those recommendations quickly. And number 10, be competitive by scoring everything and make sure those scores are transparent because it keeps things fun. That's an awesome list. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great list. And uh, I was sitting here as you were reviewing it, thinking that without research, uh, and my researchers, I would have never landed on one of those things. I never would have landed. I never would have figured those things out. I, w- I was just sitting here. You went through the list thinking, what a joy and pleasure. Uh, I'm bridled joy and pleasure I get from being able to do what I do and being inside all of these companies doing research for books. I, um, um, I'm a lucky guy. I really am. Because you've got a whole team that are out there looking at, the, looking at what makes those businesses yep. tick. Yep. Fantastic. Any final words for us? I do. I have a story for you. So last week in Miami for this big speech uh, to a couple thousand people, we've uh, and so I no sooner got to my hotel room uh, than I got a beep, a reminder on my iPhone that said, go to registration and register because it was agreed that I'd, uh, I'd do it at a certain time. So I go to registration. Everybody knows what registration is. You stand in a big, long line. And so it's A through uh, A through D, and then it's E through F, and then it's G through L. And so you stand in line, and when somebody's open there, you go to your, where your last name is, and they get your credentials and your name badge, and you're officially registered. So I'm waiting in line, and it wasn't a long line, uh, which is probably why they had scheduled me to go at that time. And so I, I, I go up to the J window, and the guy said, your name, please? And I said, Jason Jennings. And uh, he said, let me, get your, let me get your stuff. And he turns around, he comes, goes and gets it. And he comes back, and he says, whoa, wow. 
he said, uh, you're the big author that's going to open this conference tomorrow. And I said, well, I'm not the big anything. You know, I'm just a guy that writes books and travels around doing speeches and trying to make the world a better place. He said, well, tell me about a couple of your books. And so I told him about a couple of my books. And he said, tell me about your speeches. And I mean, and so I was asking him about him. And all of a sudden he said, uh, there was a little lull. And he said to the, the young people manning the other windows, he said, hey, come on here. Come on here. I, I want you to meet Jason Jennings, the author who's going to open the conference tomorrow. So I shake everybody's hand and I'm talking to everybody and asking everybody a question about themselves. And, uh, and, and that was the end of it. So, no, no, I'm sorry. There was one more thing. He said, can we get a selfie with you? And I said, of course, of course you can. So I gather with all these people who are manning the registration booth and we get the selfie. And uh, so I, I thank them all. I shake their hands one more time. And I think I walked up to the grand ballroom where I was going to be speaking the next day just to see what it looked like or something and back to my room. So I do the speech the next day, and then I had a private lunch I was supposed to do, so it was early afternoon. And so I'm walking through that area where the registration is, and all of a sudden I said, hey, or I heard, hey, Jason, hold on for a second. And it's the guy. And he walks up to me, and he said, how'd the speech go? He said, I heard fantastic things about it. And I said, no, it went fine. I mean, it was really good. And uh, the audience was even more wonderful. And he said, I just wanted to shake your hand. And I said, okay, for, for what? He said, do you have any idea of the impact you made yesterday by taking a few minutes to be with my people and be nice to my people and shaking their hands and agreeing to have a selfie taken? He said, you know, most people just treat us like machines that are spitting out the name badges or something. Nobody looks us in the eye. Nobody has a nice word for us. And he said, you just made everybody's day yesterday, and I want to thank you. So the bottom line, this is not a testament to me being nice. Uh, we've talked about this many times. I want to go through the world being nice. It's a hell of a lot easier than the opposite. But what's a testament to, I call this this week's nice story, just by taking the time to be nice and by being in the present, look at the rewards you get back. I mean, maybe the people who work that registration booth felt really good the day before, but when this guy called me out, shook my hand, and said that I had made a real difference in the lives of the people who worked in those, I, I suppose it's a lot of drudgery in those jobs, I felt as good as I felt from the standing ovation for the speech. And I've actually thought about him coming up to me and telling me that as much as I've thought about the speech. And so, you know, the final story is just uh, be nice. And uh, all of your going out, all of your coming in, and all of your, and everything you do, just be present and be nice. That's it. That is fantastic advice. I think of my grandfather uh, telling me, you know, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if, if you think you're so special that you can't be nice and say hello to the group, then we've got big problems. Oh, but. one more thing. Can I do one more thing? Absolutely. Okay. It's your I, podcast. All right. so, so I'm a little behind in my email responses to people who have written to me at Jason at Jason Jennings.com. I'm going to get to it this week. However, I glanced at one the other evening when I came, came in, this is going to be show and tell Dale. And I got an email from a guy named Abdullah uh, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And he said, I think I see a truck on your desk. And he said, I'm a big fan of American trucks. What kind of a truck do you have on your desk? And so let me get that uh, there. Uh, so can you see my truck? Yes. 
Okay. Well, let me tell you the story of this truck. This is a calm. And oh, by the way, I'm holding it up. You probably can't tell. You probably think it's a plastic truck. It actually weighs about five or six pounds. I mean, it's all metal. Uh, really a hefty truck. And it's from ComEd, the uh, huge utility company uh, based in Chicago and Illinois, who I uh, did an event for. Uh, I've done several events in in the past year for uh, ComEd and Exelon, but it was the first event I did for them. And they presented me that at the end of my speech. And so uh, one day I'll have to give you a a tour of where I work and where I work in my books and uh, show you some of the other neat things I picked up. But uh, so a, a good eye on the part of Abdullah, who was wondering what the truck was doing on my desk. Fantastic. Do you want to give that email address one more time to fill up your inbox? I do. I do. Uh, it's Jason at Jason dash Jennings.com. I only have one email address. That is it. I've only had one email address. That is it. And I eventually get back to everybody. And normally it's pretty quickly. I'm just a little bit behind right now because of my travel schedule, but I'll, I'll be caught up in the next few days. Understood. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Fantastic conversation today. That is Jason Jennings, the author that USA Today calls one of the most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event, your leadership event. Visit the website, jason-jennings.com. While you are there, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. We've made it super easy for you. jason-jennings.com slash iTunes. Also, you can find Jason on Facebook. Connect there, jason-jennings.com slash Facebook. We'd love to see you out there on the social interwebs. So, that does it. This is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. It's the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.